Hey, faithful listener, thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Exodus. Hey, good morning, friends and faithful listeners. You have tuned into the P40 Ministries podcast with your host, Jen. And also today joining us is Pastor Mark Cravens, and he's going to be a guest on the podcast episode today, and I think he's going to have some really great insights. And uh, he's actually a podcaster, too. He's got a great podcast called Hope Along the Journey. So do you want me to call you Pastor Mark? Oh, is that that's, okay? That's fine. You can okay. Call. Yeah, as we used to say, call me anything but late for supper. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pastor Mark, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to our guests? Well, thank you, Jen, and it's a honor and a privilege for me to be on your podcast today. I am a pastor here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I've also uh, spent a lot of time in education, uh, teaching at a Christian college here in Cincinnati, both full-time and part-time. I am a husband, and I am a father. I have four girls, two sets of twin girls. Oh, wow. Like Noah's Ark, our kids all came two by two. That's how they came. <laughs> and, and I have three grandchildren. So, uh, and that's kind of a little bit about who I am. And again, like you said, I do have a podcast that I started almost a year ago entitled Hope Along the Journey. So it's a joy to be with you today. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your podcast, actually. Uh, what do you do on it? Well, the podcast, uh, I really felt like God during the COVID time began to show me the need to use the internet and especially when, you know, with Zoom and everything that was happening, the potential to, to do a lot of unique and special things. I really felt like God wanted me to start something. And the, the keynote was hope because I find a lot of people are wrestling to find hope along their journey. And so I, I started this podcast in my own life, realizing how important hope had been and has been to me at key moments in my life. And so the podcast mainly is interviews with people who have a story to tell where they came through a hurt, trauma, something that happened in their life, and yet God enabled them to find hope along their journey. So a lot of them are stories shared by listeners and by others who God has just helped them in a remarkable way to make it through some tremendously difficult situations. That's awesome. And uh, for anybody who wants to take a listen to that, I will actually drop a link to that in the bio of this podcast episode so you can just navigate over there and uh, take a listen to Pastor Mark's um, podcast, Hope Along the Journey. But today we are going to be discussing the Bible. We are going to be talking about Exodus chapter 12, verses 17 through 30. And as always, I will be reading out of the WEB version of the Bible, but make sure you grab that cup of coffee. Pastor Mark and I both needed some today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we did. (laughs) And uh, let's go ahead and start reading. You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this same day I have brought your enemies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of that month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread, until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. 
There shall be no yeast found in your houses for seven days. For whoever eats that which is leavened, that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a foreigner or one who is born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your habitations, you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Draw out and take lambs according to your families and kill the Passover. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For Yahweh will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, Yahweh will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. You shall observe this thing for an ordinance to you and to your sons forever. It shall happen when you come to the land, which Yahweh will give you as he has promised, that you shall keep this service. It will happen when your children ask you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the sacrifice of Yahweh's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and spared our houses. The people bowed their heads and worshipped. The children of Israel went and did so, as Yahweh had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight, Yahweh struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the captive who is in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in the city, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. So, Pastor Mark, what stood out to you the most, do you think, about this portion of Scripture? Well, you know, as I read this, I think the first thing that that really stuck out to me was the severity of it. You know, as you read not only these verses, but the verses before and after, you begin to realize that what God is about to do is extremely severe. There's going to be a cry that's going to come out through the land of Egypt, like no cry that they have ever heard before. There's going to be wailing and there's going to be lamenting and grief because of the killing of the firstborn. And I think the seriousness of, and the severity of it is the first thing that really caught my attention. The other thing that really caught my attention was that this, of all the other plagues, that this one was the one that was to be commemorated. Hmm. That this one becomes a feast that they are to keep every year throughout all of their history. Not the lice, not the frogs, not the darkness, right. but this one is different because this one is going to become a memorial that they are to remember and is going to have incredible implications upon their lives and the lives of their children and generations to come. Right. So they have to eat unleavened bread is what it says. Mm -hmm. So what do you think the unleavened bread really signifies there? Well, it's a great question. But as, as you move into the scriptures later on, especially the New Testament, you begin to realize that the leaven represented sin. And so there's a sense in which this unleavened bread uh, represents the fact that as Christians and through the provision of Christ, that the leaven can be removed from our lives. And there are several references in the New Testament that talk about removing the leaven. And so leaven became symbolic of the removal of sin. Right. And we actually talked about that in Matthew uh, probably a few weeks ago when we were t discussing some of Jesus's parables. He was talking about leaven 
in some of the bread. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that signifies the sin of the people and how during the Passover, people are supposed to be clean. They're supposed to be without sin. They're supposed right. to be forgiven. So going into that, so what do you think the, the, the Passover lamb really signifies and, and the blood on the doorpost? What do you think that means? Yeah. Well, again, it, when we read through, through the Old Testament and we see these events, one of the things we have to always remember is that there is an arrow that's pointing to something else. These signs, these, these events are pointing to something greater that will one time it happen. And that is Jesus Christ. And so without question, what God is teaching them through this is the fact that there needs to be a lamb to spare them from the wrath and the judgment of God. And it's only the lamb that's going to be able to spare them. As the death angel passes over, they will not receive the judgment of death that is mm -hmm. about to fall on others. And so you get to the New Testament and you see Jesus walking by and John the Baptist crying out, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in 1 Corinthians, we read where Paul says, For indeed Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Right. So, Jen, these, this is a great, this is, in fact, I think in many ways, the great object lesson of the Old Testament that shows that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. And it would only be through the shedding of his blood that he would remove the wrath of God and the penalty of sin from our lives. Yeah, that's great. I actually thought of something while I was reading this, which was kind of interesting. We often hear the term, Jesus covered us with his blood, right? Like we are covered because um, Jesus died on the cross. We were just talking about that and he paid that price for us. So we are covered mm -hmm. because of the blood. And now the houses here are literally covered with blood. <laughs> that's right, yes. So it's, it's an interesting there a covering parallel. there. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, and I don't want to take it too far, but, you know, if you even strike the doorpost and the lintel and you do the motion, it's almost like you're forming a cross oh, yeah. as you're doing it. And so, you know, there, there's and again, I, it's all to me, this application of the blood, the shedding of the blood, the washing like of the blood of Jesus. In Revelation chapter one, he talks about and being that we were washed by his blood. Right. And so, yes, there's that covering for sin. There is that atonement for sin that is pictured so beautifully here. Because if I can say this, there was only one way to escape the judgment that mm -hmm. night. There was only one way to keep the death angel from taking the firstborn. There was not like, here's three choices. You can choose which one you'd like to do tonight. There was only one way. And that is the lamb had to be slain and the blood applied. Right. And, you know, another thing I, I found kind of interesting is uh, the Egyptians actually worshipped the lamb as well. Because if you read, um, oh, what was it? I think it was the end of Genesis. We were actually talking about this a while ago. We read that shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians because the shepherds yes. would, would uh, kill the lambs and stuff like that to eat them. And the Egyptians worshipped those kinds of animals. They worshipped cows, they worshipped cattle, they worshipped lambs and goats and all sorts of different mm -hmm. things. So imagine a whole congregation of Israeli people slaughtering the lambs in front of their homes. The Egyptians would have thought this was horrific abomination, especially if they're putting the blood on the doorposts. Yes. Not mm -hmm. only was this uh, signifying being covered 
you know, in the blood and and being um, forgiven of sins and everything like that. But this was also a show that they believed in God. This was the people really uh, showing their faith in God by doing this, by not being afraid of what the Egyptians might think and stuff like that. And if there were some Egyptians that also chose to follow God, because we do see that there is a mixed congregation later on. We'll talk about that. They also would have had to do this. Absolutely. And this would have been a show of their faith that they were slaughtering almost their own God, in a sense, the sheep God. They were slaughtering their own God and and showing that they had faith in the real God, which was Yahweh. Which is oh, go ahead. It's interesting to me, you know, you go over to the book of Hebrews, and I just ran across this this week as I was reading through chapter eleven, and it says, And by faith Moses kept the Passover. Oh yeah. Which ties right into what you're saying. This because they'd never seen this before, oh, yeah. Jen. This this is this had never happened before. But they had seen nine times the hand of God in a mighty way. And I think they pretty well realized, you know what, we can't mess around here. So it was, it took faith and obedience. Right. And so they exercised by faith, they kept the Passover. Moses did what he did in leading the example. He did it by faith. And of course, we know faith without works is dead. And so they exhibit their faith by doing what was required. And that was how they would address how they were to prepare their meals, and of course, how they were to protect themselves through the shed blood. Right. And you're absolutely right. To many of these Egyptians, this this was horrific, just the slaughtering of the animals and the applying of the blood. And for those Egyptians, that had to be a, a, a huge step of faith for them to, to follow the example of the Hebrews. Right, and to really show their faith in that way. And we actually talked about um, God actually... Throughout all of the plagues, he was attacking a different Egyptian god. Yes, yes. And for this last one, not only is he attacking the the sheep god or, or whatever that god was, but he's also attacking the pharaoh because the people believed the pharaoh to be the son of Ra, the sun god. Yes. And so he's attacking the pharaoh at this point and showing him, look, you're not a god. Right, absolutely. This was also well, a show for pharaoh. Yes. In fact, if you go back to an earlier verse, it's God says, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and I'll strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And listen to what he says next. And I will bring judgment on who? On all the gods mm. of Egypt. Yeah. And I think it's even why the animals were slaughtered is because they worship all these animals. So God says, I'm going to strike the firstborn of Pharaoh, who believed to be a god but also the firstborn of all these animals whom they worshiped as gods. And God is saying, tonight, I'm going to bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. And you will know that God and God alone is truly God. And that's a that's an excellent point, because when we talked about this exact thing uh, with uh, Pastor Mike a few days ago, he was also talking about the animals and stuff like that. And, you know, that's that's a really great point. I like that one as well, Pastor Mark, about the um, the animals, God showing his power in that way as well. This was, you know, God is really merciful in a, in a lot of ways during this because he's really showing his power to the Egyptians. He allowed the Egyptians who wanted to, yes. to, to turn to him for sure. Mm-hmm. But he's also showing the Egyptians like, look, I am the only God here. 
He gave them chance after chance after chance after chance. Right. To turn to turn to God, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And he's the God who even in wrath remembers mercy. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't like they hadn't had, and again, in the whole context, they'd had nine opportunities to repent. Right. And it was like, you know, God is showing himself to be, and I, I teach this in Old Testament, when I teach Old Testament, because I think so many times people get this false concept of the God of the Old Testament, that he's like quick to wrath, that he's short-tempered. But when you read it and really look at it, God is long-suffering. Even to the Egyptians, he was merciful. He only took one out of, he only took the firstborn. I mean, he could have slaughtered the entire land of Egypt if he had wanted to. But even in his wrath, he remembered mercy and he gave them a way of escape. Right, and he even... Yeah, and he even said that. He said, I could strike you all down. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah, he, so, and he chose to not, to not do that. <laughs> and you see that again and again throughout all of the Old Testament. And you see that again, what Peter says, that God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should what, Jen? Perish. Right. But all should come to repentance. And God sent his son of the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's default, if we could use that word, God's default approach is I would rather you repent and not perish than to have to judge you for your wrong. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, mercy for sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned um, the people had to do this year after year after year was to commemorate the Passover. And to this day. We still sell. I mean, the Jewish community still celebrates that to this day. So, what? Why would God ask them to continue to uh, celebrate the Passover in that way? What do you think that signifies? Well, that, that's another great question. I think, for one thing, it represented their deliverance. It was through this final plague that deliverance would come. And there's just so much powerful symbolism here. We talked about the covering of the blood. We talked about the leaven and, and the removal of sin. We talked about faith and obedience. But there's something else that it symbolized. This was how God delivered you when you could not deliver yourself. Mm. And the Passover was to be celebrated. It was not a time of mourning. It was a time of celebration. Why? Because not only were they spared, but more importantly, they were delivered. Because they were to eat this with their staff in hand, ready to go. Because guess what? God is getting ready to bust the gates wide open and prison shackles are going to fall. And you people that have been in bondage are going to be set free. Yeah. And they were to celebrate their the freedom that came. He delivered them through this final act called the Passover. And plus it says, uh, it says that the Egyptians, actually God allowed them to look favorably on the Israelites yes. as well. That alone is kind of a miracle because. <laughs> yeah. And they borrowed, I always love that term. And, 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 you know, and the King James version says that they, you know, they borrowed all this stuff from the Egyptians. I had a few neighbors that kind of borrowed like that. It never came back. It never came back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, they gave him favor. And they, I mean, it was like, get out of here, go, would you please leave us and get out? Of right. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, they were slaves. They didn't have sword or spear. And yet God took a nation of slaves and took them to the promised land. But that night was a night not only of death, but it was a night of deliverance. Mm -hmm. 
Right. That's a great point. But we are actually running out of time as much as we could really talk about this pretty much all day, I think, because there's so much symbolism oh, yes. to this one right. passage. We should probably wrap it up. But thank you so much, uh, Pastor Mark, for coming on the show today. And once again, his podcast is called Hope Along the Journey. And I will definitely drop a link to that so that you can navigate over there and take a look at uh, everything that Pastor Mark does. But um, thank you guys so much for tuning in this morning. Happy listening. And God bless. <laughs>